The Movie Bunker podcast is sponsored by Unity Brewing Co. Unity is a brewery committed to making flavorful, sophisticated, and innovative beer. Their brewing methods combine traditional and modern techniques with a focus on elevating humble ingredients, always unfiltered and unpasteurized. Their beers are natural, flavorful, and vegan friendly. Unity is a six barrel brewery based in Southampton in the UK, and they're proud to be one of the growing number of breweries in the city and play a part in Southampton's booming craft beer scene. They have three beer tiers that core limited and seasonal and you can check all these out on their online shop so visit unitybrewingco.com have a look and place an order that's unitybrewingco.com Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Movie Bunker podcast. Just come back off of our He-Man review, uh, then you know that we're about to do our interview podcast. Yes, we are indeed. On this episode, I'm speaking to Eamon Warman. Now, Eamon Warman is a freelance film and TV critic. Um, He's written for Empire Magazine, Yahoo Movies UK and Den of Geek and a lot, lot more. We talk about his movie Guilty Pleasure, which is Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. And we also chat about movies in general and soundtracks, which is is kind of what he's passionate about nice so enjoy the interview it's a cracking one hello and welcome to the movie bunker podcast it's chris as always and today i'm delighted to be joined by film journalist for empire yahoo den of geek and talk sports Eamon warman hi Eamon. welcome to the podcast thank you for having me so you're aware of what we do in the movie bunker is uh, we we review critically panned movies we basically are trying to find the diamonds in the rough things that we could celebrate about these critically panned films. You have agreed against your will, maybe, I don't know, to talk about, <laughs> talk about your guilty pleasure, and which we'll get on to later. What was your film of choice? Sister Act 2, Back yeah. in the Habit. <laughs> what a great film. I think I've seen this probably, as I mentioned to you earlier on, about a thousand times. Um, <laughs> what's great about it is obviously it's, it's a 90s film, which is kind of I think when I first fell in love with movies properly um, likewise so what kind of brought you to film journalism in the first place what where did it start for you Uh, okay I'll try and make this as concise as possible um (laughs) so yeah I finished uni uh, I went to Brunel University and I actually studied sports sciences um I went into when I started uni I wanted to become a teacher and because I didn't do my research like a fool, I only found out in like the final year that if I wanted to do it, if I wanted to be a teacher, I needed to do like an extra year of PGCE and all that sort of stuff. And I was not about that life. So I graduated and one of my older brothers, sort of friends, he, he ran a website called Yin and Yang, now defunct, I think. Um, but it was a lifestyle website. They're looking for someone to do film coverage. And I, I'd always been a fan of uh, films. Uh, when I was in boarding school, every sort of Saturday was uh, a, f- a film night and I'd be the one most than not to sort of go down and pick a film. So I've always been, always been a fan of films. And I sort of started writing for that, that website. But a little while into that, my sort of editor told me that uh, I could sort of, you know, contact PRs and go to screenings of films in advance. Because uh, I'd just been going to my local cinema to watch the films and then write. Um, and once I started sort of doing that, then once you start seeing the same faces at the film screenings uh, all the time and you start sort of getting on uh, PR's mailing list and you're telling them more and more and you're getting better at um, networking and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yin and Yang went to Cineview. From Cineview, I went to hear you guys. And then just one thing after another, one thing after another to the point where... I've now been lucky enough to freelance for 
as you say, Empire Magazine, uh, Den of Geek, uh, Yahoo Movies, and, and others. So, yeah, it was a bit of an interesting journey to get here, but now that I've sort of been doing this, I've been for about seven and a half years now, mm-hmm. and um, I love it. Um, I, I, and I love it too much to ever walk away from it, even though uh, freelancing can at, tough be, can at times be tough. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware. Um, I, I just love this whole doing this uh, too too much to ever walk away from it. I was talking to a couple of other guests we've had in the past and I've always asked them the questions. This, has it kind of become quite obsessional for you now, this this uh, this film journalism profession? Because obviously to keep up with everything that's released and out, it's it's quite a, quite a lot of doing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I used to be of the mindset that I had to see everything. But, you know, I don't get sort of commissioned on like a film by film review. So I've been a bit more selective in recent years in terms of, you know, what I'm trying to see. I, I'm, I'm still on sort of on, on radio on a weekly basis. So, you know, I'd still see a fair amount of films. But uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be everything, everything. Um, so, you know, I'm still, you know, obsessed is, is, a, is a strong word. Um, I, I, I balance it out with, I'm, I'm almost more so a fan of, you know, a myriad of TV shows. So I balance it out with that. I also like my video games. So there's, there's a nice palette to all the entertainment stuff that I do. Mm. Uh, but film is definitely a big part of that. In all the films that you've kind of been reviewing or whether whether on TV or streaming, because obviously we know Netflix and Amazon and, and what have you seem to have much better presence uh, on like cin- in cinema at the moment. But right. what, what would you say was your most disappointing film that you've been really looking forward to in the last maybe 2018? Because it's been, it was a very busy year last year. Well, I'll tell you the most disappointing film I've seen so far this year. And it was disappointing for a number of reasons, not least of which because it was number five on my list of most anticipated movies of 2019. Oh. But I saw Glass last month and it really disappointed me because um, I'm a huge fan of Unbreakable. Yeah. And I really, really liked Split. And the trailers for Glass looked great and I was really looking forward to it and it just didn't work. Uh, and it, just, it was just a waste of so much potential. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, that... That was a bit annoying. What do you think are the main issues with it? Because a long t- sort of period of time bef- between Unbreakable and, and this Glass film, right. do you think it was too long? No, not, not that it was too long. You know, I actually think that the length, if the screenplay was good, would have worked in its favour. Because yeah. obviously Unbreakable came out at a time when uh, super movies were not huge at all. Yeah. Um, and since then, superhero movies are now, in my mind, eclipsed Star Wars as the biggest thing in the film world. Mm. And the problem, one of the main issues with the film is that the film does not take that into account in its screenplay. And it treats the audience like they're sort of, you know, numb to all of the stuff that we've seen on, the, on screen for the past decade or so. Mm. Um, so that's a problem. The fact that Samuel L. Jackson's character, Glass, is monologuing and pointing out, you know, can't but cliches every chance he gets is a problem. Mm. What's not a problem is that beautiful jacket. I need it in my wardrobe immediately. Um, <laughs> that was good. But uh, yeah, that's just at the top of my head, those are two big, I mean, James Newton Howard, I'm a, I'm a big fan of film scores. James Newton Howard's score for Unbreakable is one of the best in his catalog. And that's saying something. If you go back and look at that guy's filmography, it is very impressive. Mm. James Newton Howard did not return for Glass and it shows. The music is just there. It does not stand out at all. Um, and I could go on, uh, but this is not a glass podcast, but you get my drift. <laughs> yeah. So you say music's really important. I mean, we talked a little bit before we started recording about uh, 
the Marvel's uh, universe and the, the, the importance of the soundtracks to those films. And you're quite passionate about those soundtracks, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. There's a couple of years ago, a video on YouTube basically said that the music in the MCU wasn't memorable and wasn't good. And that frustrated me because I have all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe scores in my iTunes I listen to them regularly. I think mm. in many respects, they, they are very, very good, very, very enjoyable, very, very memorable, at least to me. So the fact that um, you know, people keep calling out and saying that it's, it wasn't very good, it, it frustrated me. But, and I'm actually, not to promote my other podcast too much, but I'm in the process of doing another podcast right now where we're going through the MCU. And I'm sort of, you know, one, one of the main focuses um, of that podcast is to sort of talk about the music and the impact that it has um, on the films. And, you know, I think for me, if there's a problem with the MCU and, and how it uses music is that when the film is mixed, the score is not prioritized in that mix. So it doesn't stand out as much as it could at times. Mm. But, um, you know, when it does stand out, it's exceptional. Um, there, there are many tracks I can point out. We just did, Guard we just did our Guardians of the Galaxy episode and the soundtrack to the Guardians of the Galaxy both films, they're so great that they sort of, you know, overwhelm the score from Tyler Bates at times. But if you actually go back and listen to Tyler Bates' score by itself, there's some great music in that. The tracks like Black Tears from the first film, which mm. is exceptional. And there's a, and then in the second film, there's a track called Dad, which is played where... Oh, I no, I'm going to spoil it because you know, Guys of Galaxy 2 is two years old now. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's played where, when, uh, when Yondu dies. And that yeah. track is, you know, about as emotional as it gets in the MCU. And there's yeah. several other examples I can point out. Again, this is not an MCU podcast. I'm not going to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah. I'm a it's, funny, of it's funny you say that because you mentioned of Scarns and Galaxy, which is what I was going to mention about soundtracks. But it didn't occur to me that that has, like, a composer until yeah. you said that. And I was thinking that's, that's a really good point because everyone remembers the fantastic, yeah, pop music soundtrack that that had. But yeah, yeah often we always miss, potentially might miss that, that um, yeah, orchestral tracks going underneath it. But I'm, I'm going to have to go back and check those out now and just, just to refresh my memory on, those, uh, on that music. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, we talked about sort of guilty pleasures and uh, you, you're aware of what we do in the podcast is <laughs> our guests tell us their guilty pleasures and we talk about their favorite films, whether they were you know, critically panned or something, they come, whether they've, or, or they've grown up with them and they weren't potentially good or well-received yeah. then. And, but I don't want to use the word guilty pleasure, but it is kind of our, our way well, into this kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm aware of what you do. I, I, I hope you accept this as my answer because I've been thinking about sort of the term guilty pleasure a little bit and think about what I'm going to say yes. on the podcast. I don't really believe in the term guilty pleasure as much. Because um, I, I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. What I sometimes do is that, like, I will say that there are scenes that I like in films which are bad. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy, like, you know, for, for example, Transformers Adventure of the Fallen is a bad movie. But yes. firstly, it's the first film that I ever saw in IMAX. And it was still pretty cool to do that, even though I was sat far too close to the screen. I was looking at my, by the, by the time the film ended, I been, I, my neck was killing me. <laughs> um, but like the scene where, I mean, and also I should say that I'm a big fan of Optimus Prime when he's done right. 
Uh, I yeah, think yeah. Transformers 2 is probably one of the last times at least Michael Bay did Optimus Prime right. Um, but the forest battle between Optimus Prime and like three Decepticons, you cannot tell me that that film, that, that scene is bad. That scene is awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and uh, Ghost Rider, uh, 2007, I believe, the first, the first movie. Um, yeah. not, not a good movie, but the one minute scene where Nicolas Cage and Carter Slade are riding together on yeah. you know on their fiery steeds that's awesome that's yeah. an awesome scene and right. i'll go back and, and i'll go back on youtube or what have you and i'll frequently sort of rewatch you know those scenes because um and, and just just you know do that and not watch the film because i'm aware that the films you know and both of those examples i just gave are not very good well, we, uh, did, but, um, we yeah. did ghost rider we've done an episode on the the, the first ghost rider film and uh nights the last night i think with the transformers oh. That film was all the way bad. There was a few things I enjoyed about it. I actually had a couple of good things to say about it. But uh, with Ghost Rider, that scene you talked about was one of the things we actually picked out as well because the music as well behind it, the kind of down, 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 down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so yeah. awesome. And there's, I, many, there's many scenes in that, like the first time he transforms is great. Yeah, I love that yeah. scene. And it's interesting because I think in the, in the cinemas, it's like a 12A uh, so that scene got cut down in the cinema, yeah. but if you actually go and watch the full thing online, it's really, really, really impressive. Yeah, uh, with all the, the skin burning off him and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what about Nicolas Cage? Because uh, I don't know what I don't know what was going on there, but with his, <laughs> his little character quirks, with him, you know, drinking out of a cocktail glass with jelly beans, in, <laughs> and yeah. just some weird sort of Elvis <laughs> Presley kind of presence about him, wasn't there? There was, there was. Cage, cage gonna cage, man. Cage gonna cage. Um, but yeah, it was still an entertaining performance. That yeah. But the, anyway. the, the, the more I think about it, the more like awesome stuff I think is, is, is coming to mind for that. But like when um, uh, he drives the hell cycle up and down the building and on the water as well. It's so good. <laughs> Are you going to do this in your podcast? <laughs> I just might have to. Anyway, we need, we need to talk about Sister Act 2. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> the students of St. Francis have a problem with discipline. They don't have any. The faculty needs help from above. But they're going to find it. In Las Vegas. Touchstone Pictures presents the second coming of Sister Mary Clarence. Help us by becoming a teacher. Who would I teach? What would I teach? Teach music. Hello. She's back in the habit again. I know that I've seen you somewhere before. Have you ever been to the Chi Chi Club? Say it with me, come on. Chi Chi Club. Chi Chi Club. This time, she's giving a group of holy terrors. I'm going to turn you guys into a choir. A lesson they'll never forget. Can we sing something that ain't gonna get the crap kicked out of us, yo? You got it. Ow! Get up off of that thing! And, and now, everyone's learning down. the only thing more fun than performing an act of God. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Is taking it on the road. Being insubordinate. I'm good at that. I'm a follow you. Sister Mary Clarence is no ordinary nun. She's a 
Las Vegas showgirl. Showgirl? Well, who the funk? Whoopi Goldberg. What the hell are you doing? This, uh, needs a prayer. Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Teach them to play soccer. We don't have the balls for that. So this came out in 1993, and I mean, okay, I won't dwell on its rating because obviously rating dark but it's got a 5.5, which is pretty low. When it's in our bracket for podcast territory, anyway. But what what is it about this movie that you enjoy it that makes you happy? Oh man, um, <laughs> where do I start, Christopher? Where do I start? Um, I think any discussion about any, any discussion about Sister Act Two has to begin with the songs. The songs in this movie are just iconic to the point. I mean, this film came out in 1992, that's 26 years ago. If I say joyful, joyful to many people, they will know exactly what I mean. They will have exactly the picture of Sister Act 2, that final sort of song sequence in their minds. It's going to yeah. come to their minds. And that's 26 years later, and people are still having that reaction. Mm-hmm. That says something about you know the film. So you know the songs. You know, oh, oh happy day. You know, I remember I was four years old at the time this this film came out. But <laughs> I I watched it maybe yeah late nineties because it's a funny story. Back then uh, we had VHSs called. <laughs> Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and um, the copy which I remember sort of watching Sister Act 2 from was one of those things where we had a, we had a blank cassette, a blank VHS, and we had recorded it from TV and we had to sort of pause it for the ad breaks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I remember because, you know, the film gets to the end and the credits down, credit song Ain't No Mountain High Enough will start playing. And that will cut out because we recorded over it with Fresh Prince of Bella. <laughs> yeah, <great>. <laughs> so yeah that's it the, could be that's, worse yeah yeah it's true um, it had a great it had a great cast as well i mean this is Whoopi goldberg oh, yeah. at her finest you know she had she was such a big screen presence in the 90s wasn't she so she was real hot property in hollywood she was she wasn't i mean you can tell just watching this film uh she's so charismatic and funny uh and you can just tell she's having an immense amount of fun Mm. Uh, I mean, and it's funny, to, even to the point where, because of Whippy Goldberg, basically, mm. even the songs which aren't, you know, which don't bang as much as something like Joyful, Joyful, mm. they're made entertaining and memorable simply because of Whippy Goldberg. Like, get up off of that thing. That's, oh. not, that's, that's not the greatest song in the, in the, in the film. Uh, it's, you know, it's... Like, you know, where she's doing well, whole James Brown thing. Exactly, exactly. And uh, because of that, I remember it, and it's you know firmly in my mind as one well, of like, the highlights of the movie. Even like when the, the, there's a you know a one minute scene where all the young students they're in the playground doing like a rap battle, and Whoopi Goldberg comes in, and I try to remember what she said. But she's like, uh, uh, "I got the flow. You're gonna go. So go get your bags and go. Ho ho." <laughs> And it's iconic <laughs> immediately and funny and memorable and I'll never forget it because it's Whoopi Goldberg being awesome. Hey, I got the flow. You all got to go. So go get your bag so we can go. Ho, ho. I mean, the rapping so, is 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 yeah. sublime, <laughs> so, isn't it? <laughs> it's so awesome. The first one's all about her being protected by the mob, isn't it? She's in sort of in witness protection, right? Right. 
Right, and, this, yeah. and then this one, she's kind of asked back into the habit, hence the title, uh, to help teach some unruly kids. Yes, yes. And you know what? Because uh, I've, you know, I went back to what to Tomato's page for Sister Act 2. I still can't believe the rating, but we're not going to go on that. Um, and, you know, the thing which... Uh, comes up most in the reviews is that you know this movie is very cliched and formulaic and that thing, i can't disagree mm. with that but to me there are two types of formulaic movies there's the formulaic movie where the film is formulaic and you know it really is just you know following the beats and everything that it's doing when while following the beats is just so uninspired and there's nothing to really Mm. You know, you know, transcend the that, that that sort of cliched storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, the, and the, there are films like that for sure. But this is a type of formulaic movie where yes, it's formulaic, but when it's formula that's done well, that says something about the film and the performances and the songs. They they make the film so enjoyable that even though it's cliched and even though you can see the notes that it's you know playing, if you're yeah. any type of sort of. Not, not even if you're a film critic, but if you've watched sort of, you know, multiple movies, mm. uh, you will know, you know what, uh, what's, what's going to happen. Mm. But it's so enjoyable and entertaining that you forget about it because you're just swept up in it. And Sister Act 2 is that type of formulaic movie to me. Yeah, it's kind of like a predecessor to some like of the... Um well, you can compare it to a sports movie in a way. It's like a coach, a coach getting a team back to Absolutely. its feet. Or um, it reminds me of Nativity, the Nativity Rocks films, and that as well. Like getting a band of misfit kids or a class to do a show and and and, and become stars because because I'm. Yeah, my kids watch Nativity now, and you know Christmas <laughs> is well to live. But it has that kind of underdog uh, story about it, where and, and that's always quite uplifting, regardless of who's in it or what it's about, or whether it's sports or whatever. So it, that message always is quite nice, regardless of you know the the, uh, the tosh that surrounds <laughs> some of it. I guess exactly. I mean, I would pay, I would bet good money that if Sister Act. To, to be released today, it will mm. get the kind of reception that The Greatest Showman got. Yeah, and that yeah. people, were, people will, you know, see that it's not the greatest movie. When it comes to the songs, when it comes to, you know, the uplifting storyline, as you say, people, will, people are going to go and want to come back to it and come back to it again. And there will be sing-along screenings and all that sort of stuff. I would be, I'll bet good money that that yeah, will happen. Yeah. Well, maybe you should try and commission some sort of... Uh, uh, sing-along version give this back it, it must be sort of an, an anniversary coming up for him at some point let's arrange See, it annoyingly the 25 year <laughs> anniversary was last year so the oh, time man. <laughs> all that commission stuff would have been last year so Five years, my then. fault my fault yes it, yeah remind me again in 2024 2023 or whatever and yeah. i will i will get right on that <laughs> this cast as well just to talk a bit about who else is in it because we've got kathy uh kathy najimi who was uh, big as well in um pocahontas and think not pocahontas what i'm talking about um hocus pocus jesus <laughs> hocus pocus with bet midler and i think she was really funny and big at the time James Coburn played Mr. Chris, a classic American actor. So was Michael Jetta, you know, plays father, like a uh, like the, kind of a few monks in this, isn't there? Like some old father yeah. dudes. But Michael Jetta was an, an amazing little actor. Uh, I say little because physically he was little, but everyone remembered from the Green Mile and things like that. Mm. Um, now Maggie Smith, for goodness' sake! I mean, yep. <laughs> yep, legend. 
Professor McGonagall herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lauren Hill. Did yeah. She, I mean, she, was she a singer f- sort of start her musical career or was it the other way around? No, she, she was a singer before uh, she got cast in this movie. Um, but she is one of the film's highlights. I mean, not only does she sort of lead Joyful Joyful, but she has that uh, His Eyes on the Sparrow uh, duet, which is just incredible. I highly recommend, if you have not already, seek out the full version on the soundtrack. It is incredible. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean... That's, a, that's the perfect example. Her storyline is one, a perfect example of, yes, you can see exactly where it's going. You know exactly where it's going to end up. But that doesn't mean that you don't feel everything that that character goes through with the overbearing mother to the telling her to, you know, that she can't sing and all the rest of it. So I really enjoyed her performance. You also you have to, there's a baby Jennifer Love Hewitt is in this movie. Yeah. Which is insane. Ryan Toby, who was the kid who sang Oh Happy Day, he actually went on to co-write Miami, that song by Will Smith that was a bit of a hit back in the 90s. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a bit of... A, a bit of I think <clears throat> there's a lot of good comedy stuff in this. The slapstickiness of uh, Whoopi Goldberg and the sisters. Um, yeah. They're a, <laughs> a mad bunch of women um, doing things that they wouldn't... Ne- you know, are playing against type, I guess. And nuns aren't necessarily supposed to be playing air guitar with uh, brooms and things, aren't they? But they're getting well and truly into it. Absolutely. And also the, the little kind of uh, scenes between the nuns and the monks who are quite supposed to be quite stiff and they're getting, getting to the music and everything. And then we get the rap battle, as you say, and everything. So it's, <laughs> it's so quintessential. It's so 90s. Everything is about it. Obviously, the wardrobe yeah. and everything. It's such a big... <laughs> Uh, blast in it going back back to that kind of era yeah now I you know I, I in preparation for this I was sort of you know re-watching a few clips from it and it's just so much fun I would say that Sister Act is the better movie but yeah. Sister Act 2 is just as enjoyable if not more so uh, as a sequel and a, a part of me sort of hopes that to get a third movie I, th- I think if you get a good screenplay you can make a third movie work <laughs> yeah um, yeah but uh, these two movies have a special place in my heart. They, they had a special place in the woman household growing up, you know, to the point where I can remember teaching myself how to play Oh Happy Day on the house piano because of this oh. movie. Uh, so it's that type of thing. Also, I've got to say, my mum, if she was in a habit, she could convincingly play Whippy Goldberg's Body Double. <laughs> I am I'm convinced. Um, and we always made a joke of that in, in the woman house too. But, uh, but yeah, I remember watching both of those movies, both of those movies, repeatedly and sort of rewinding joyful joyful and rewinding i will follow him and you know conducting and you know going crazy like whoopi gobble is going crazy and, and the other <laughs> so so yeah they have a lot of good memories that tied to both of those stuff for me i mean you think about um the ghost which is uh, you know another 90s film that has got i don't know obviously it did it was a good film and but her in that is just lifts elevates that film to another level as far as I'm concerned in terms of uh, her, her acting ability and her comic comedic presence. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, talk about Whoopi Goldberg. She is one of the forerunners. I mean, you see that we're, we're in a, I won't say a good time, but we're in a, definitely an improved time of late when it comes to uh, films and entertainment uh, done by people of colour. And, mm. you know, Whoopi Goldberg was there doing it in the 80s and the 90s. She's the She's the person that many of the black, you know, creatives look up to and yeah. have stated as such. 
um, as they sort of grow into prominence. So we owe her a lot. On when it comes to her most iconic roles, uh, Sister Mary Clarence, aka the best choir teacher of all time, uh, <laughs> will be will be high upon that list. Well, what a great what a great way to end the podcast, and uh, I mean, it's been fantastic. I think you know, if this was Room One Hundred and One, uh, which it isn't, but we would keep <laughs> Sister Act Two out of Room One Hundred and One and keep it. So it's not going in the bunker. Let's put it that way. We'll put it back on Because <laughs> listening and watching the YouTube videos and everything again about these reminded me of one summer in the 90s where my, my stepbrother had the, 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 the VHS of this film and, we, and watched it every day. Um, I think for, for a whole six weeks holidays. And yeah, I was sucker punked into, uh, into uh, submission with that one. So it was a great choice. I really enjoyed talking to you about it. Thank you, Avon. Likewise, thank you for having me. Where, where can we find you online? What's your Twitter handles and things and what are you doing, what are you up to? Uh, so yeah, I, I'm on Twitter uh, at A Warman. You can find all my work there. Um, I'm always sort of freelance. You can find me sort of uh, on radio. I need to be better at putting up my radio segments. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm also working on my next uh, summer blockbuster, a montage video. Uh, I've been doing it for six years now. It's going to be the seventh uh, edition is sort of a, a mashup of all the summer blockbusters, which is my favorite sort of season when it comes to the movies. Um, all the summer blockbusters sort of mashed up into a two or three minute supercut. Um, and you can find sort of uh, the all my previous uh, six of those there on my YouTube channel, which you can find details to on my Twitter. Basically, just go to my Twitter. That was funny. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Emma, for talking to us today. Thank you. Yes, so you challenged me to top five movies that I could recast. I did. If I had I'm a magic wand, oh, <laughs> if I had like a magic wand, I could, I could, and, and, a, and a time machine potentially. Yep. Or a magic key. Magic time machine. Initially, when I when you told me, I thought I, I can do this. I can do this. But actually, it's very hard to do. It's very hard to pinpoint and and find a film that you. I don't can... want to hear your excuses, Chris. Well, anyway, I've done it. I've done it. I've fucking done it. But what I've done is. I've taken films from our podcasts, okay, that I've ah, recast. Okay. So I've narrowed it right the fuck down. That's and also good. I've not recast I've recast one character. Yeah, you don't want to do the whole I, fucking thing. I mean, come on. I've got loads of time on my hands. <laughs> so these are in a kind of order. Okay, so number film number five. We start with the top. Is this like the best or the worst? It's they're kind of in some sort of order, but it's not a hard okay. fast, okay? Because I'm not that's not the kind well, of Well, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, so number five is Hitman Agent 47, which we did way back in like episode four or five yeah, or something was, like that. So originally on. Hitman Agent 47 was played by Rupert Friend, Rupert a bit Friend. of an unknown. Yeah, actor. I had so, issues with his head shape and his hair stubble. Yes, because he shouldn't have hair stubble. Mm. So, I mean, it's difficult to find a, a naturally bald, completely bald actor that would fill his shoes. So, yeah, I, I didn't. That's not. You don't have to. Okay, they, fine. They could have just shaved him properly. They could have just done the right pro, proper proper bit shave. So, I had two choices for this, and I want you to decide which one. So, I think to give it a bit more gravitas. Okay, Ooh. Michael Fassbender. The Fass. Yeah, the Fassbender or the Staff, Jason Statham. Oh. I'm thinking Michael Fassbender. I couldn't decide between the two. It, it would depend on the tone in the film, doesn't it? If you, if you are going for the super serious, troubled past, yeah. then the Fassbender is... But the problem is he's already done a computer game he did, he video. did Assassin's Creed, which, didn't he? Uh, yeah, which wasn't particularly great. But Staff would probably give it a bit of, a bit of swagger. Yeah, my only problem with Staff is that it would kind of... Because he is a baldy, 
it would kind of merge into all the films that he's done of the same ilk. So that's just why I think he'd be good at it. I just think he'd be good at it. I think I'd go with Fass. Okay, good choice. Good choice, that. So he's yes, got, and also his, his head shapes a bit better. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a grisly old look on his face, and yeah. he? he could do the he could do the 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 killing sequences with you know with with, with a little nothing, nothing on it. Yeah. He could do that really yeah. well. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's good. Thank I, you, no, thank you very much. So I'm glad you liked that one. So number four, Tank Girl. Oh, played by Laurie Petty, obviously, as we yeah. know. Uh, we did this back in episode two, I believe. Yeah. Christ, um, I would Dick. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> I would recast Laurie Petty, although in hindsight she didn't do a bad job. No. To be honest, Margot Robbie, which we did talk <sighs> about in the podcast itself. So yeah, yeah, Margot Robbie, genius bit of casting. Yeah, because she was already doing that kind of craziness within her Harlequin yep. films, and also I would completely change the tone uh, well keep it quite comedic for her because she can do the crazy batshit stuff but also I would it, it's mainly set I think in Australia so she could keep the Australian accent for once yeah and she said instead of trying to do British which I think it's a British we know it's a British comment by beg your pardon but um, keeping it in Australia recasting Booger and everything as well and having a another stab at Tank Girl but with Margot Robbie I think that would absolutely work that would absolutely work alright so that's number two and I think no that's number that's number four, four. <laughs> number three you ready for this one Ghost Rider oh yeah okay Nicolas Cage did did his little uh, special thing there um, but I would recast face. this with Denzel Washington and the reason is nobody does vengeance quite like Denzel Washington I think he was good an equaliser yes okay and it completely puts a different slant on the whole movie altogether Denzel has never done a superhero franchising movie no alright he's got the chops to pull it off double chopped we could even go with maybe changing the whole ethos of the character maybe get away with some of the backstory where he's not necessarily has to be a racing car or racing motorcyclist maybe go from the the screen versions of him being a a motor car mechanic or a there are various incarnations of the Ghost Rider Robbie Reyes is uh, one of them he drives a car Exactly. Well, so. I, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. So I think they've done the motorbike, and you know, it's it's all about vengeance. And I think, um, and with the sort of transformation, the fact is, an older gentleman wouldn't actually matter a shit. Exactly. And I think that's you know, it might it's, it's it's out there casting in terms of his age. Yeah. But you know, we could go back in time and pick him from his training day days, I guess. Yeah. Or glory. Glory. A single tear. Oh Jesus Christ. So, uh, yes, Ghost Rider. I thought that was <coughs> ripe for recasting, considering, well, what we've had before. So, that's number three. Number two, Alienator. Okay, our very first <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. So, who have you picked to recast from that film? And this is an interesting one, I think, because in the original Alienator, we had who the woman who played the woman of death was yes. Tegan she was a bodybuilder at the time a, yes. a female wrestler um, she was like a human tree trunk uh, in a sense <laughs> what I would do is in terms of changing that whole aesthetic of the alienator who was like a, a Terminator type character yeah. relentless I'd give it a little bit of a twist uh, Sh- Charlize Theron blimey turn it into did not like, see that coming no but listen she does I think she would do like a stealthy sexy predator type thing right so she's got like this 
The troubled backstory, I guess, was that it was always kind of implied in that film. She's got a steeliness to her. She can do really good. Yeah, like when she was in Alien Covenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you didn't know if she was a robot on that or not, did you? You Exactly. Kind of questioned that. But I would, instead of have her like plodding through the jungle or the forests, killing things with a scatter gun, she would be a highly. (laughs) Apart from deers. Apart from deers, yeah, but she would have the moment with a deer. But she could be a highly precise killing machine. Right, yeah, rather than just napalming wooden cabins. Yes. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, okay. You're welcome. Uh, So, number one. (laughs) Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, we did back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So instead of Paul Blart being played by Kevin James, the comedy genius... Literally anyone else is going to be a win here. So this is what I've got. So instead of Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, this would be Paul Blart, Shopping Centre Security Guard 2. Yes. It'd be played by Simon Pegg. Brilliant. <laughs> so instead of, um, you know, him rolling around on a Segway... Simon Pegg would just be on his legs it'd make it a little bit more fun I think yeah. <laughs> and also instead of like an art heist in Las Vegas these guys would be jewel thieves or something like that yeah or just nicking stuff in the pound shop yeah exactly and he'd be like the hapless uh, security guard because he kind of plays that role in Run Fat Boy Run where he's a security guard he doesn't do partic- I was trying to think yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, in, he's been in the uniform before and could we he, get Nick Frost in there too somewhere of course we can of course we can do whatever we want <laughs> we got the magic wand he could be his buddy mate who's he dog. could replace the daughter <laughs> I mean obviously not as a, a young girl but just saying that kind as of casting. but no I just thought maybe they would be you could just see them radioing each other one could be from one entrance and they, they meet each other for lunch across the, in the centre Cornell <laughs> and then they, they swap ends yeah uh, uh, and one does one side of the mall uh, not mall shopping centre I, I think in the UK. yeah I think you're proposing like, Almost completely different film, but I'm I'm with you. I'd watch um, Simon Pegg, Mall Cop. (laughs) Simon Pegg, Shopping Centre Security Guard. Get it right. So that was my top five. Yes, um, I agree with all of them, I believe. I'd watch them all. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're using time (laughs) machines and stuff. It's hard to not diverge into sort of like a slight remake rather than a it's very difficult it's a very difficult top five I found it quite hard I mean and originally I had like people like Michael Stipe as Hitman Agent 47 just because <laughs> of the head and then we could have you know it could be a musical um, where you could introduce all the REM songs and stuff like that but it was putting good. on the spot right yeah if you had to gender swap all of those characters well, this is the who thing who would you do yeah because I was trying to do that as well Right, it was taking up. So Hitman, who could you have as? You could have Charlie Theron as Hitman. Yeah, yeah I was that basically. Yeah, I was looking at gender swapping all sorts of stuff. And what was the other one? Uh, Ghost Rider. So Tank Girl would become Tank Boy. Yeah, yeah. Tom yeah. Holland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very difficult to find people for those got films that haven't already been in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film right, okay. of any kind of nature. So everyone's got their kind of hands in something. Yeah. But anyway, your top five. Oh right, yep. Okay, so I've, got, I've already got an idea Next for you. I've been thinking long weeks. and hard. So at the moment, Disney are doing some really, uh, I don't know whether it's inspired or foolish things with their movies and creating live action, action movies. So we've had Cinderella. We've had Jungle Book. Jungle Book. We've ha- we're having Lion King and Aladdin. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Beauty and the Beast. I'm welling up. Um <laughs> So your challenge is top five yes. Disney yes. live action remakes that have not yet been slated or on the slate. Right, okay. Can I state at this point without because I'm not gonna do any research. Yeah. <laughs> Can I state at this point 
I don't know. I know of Aladdin coming up. Yeah. I don't know of any others. That's it. You've so got, I can just run with that. Yeah, Lion King is on, is coming out. I didn't know that. Right. I was going to have one of that one, but never mind. <laughs> Lion King's had trailers and everything. Have you not seen it? No. It's almost like shot for shot, the original. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why they're doing it. It's confusing me. But yeah. yes, okay, okay, cool. But then, yes. you know, introducing a lot of the 90s, I mean, we've grown up with these movies, these 90s ones, and there were some bad ones, and it had a bit of renaissance. Can I can I diverge into sort of Pixar as well as Disney? Cause no. Oh, fucking hell. It's, uh, no, pure, I think... Pure hand-drawn... The hand-drawn stuff. This is from uh, 80s, 90s uh, right, Disney. Okay, okay, early okay. 2000s Disney. You can't go Pixar. That's cheating. Right. Because the quality's too good. And does um, Chris Pratt have to be in all of them? Or is it just I found it very it? difficult not to stick <laughs> Gerard Butler and Gerard his friends. Butler. His friends in there. So, yeah, that's your challenge. Top okay, five Disney, right. Disney challenge movies. accepted. And actually, what you'll probably find is all these films that you propose in your top five will eventually probably be made in a live Yeah, this is version. why, so I'm going to have to become, I'm going to have to go in. At, if I do any research, they're all literally, they're probably all going to be lining up. Because <laughs> it seems to be what they're doing now. Yeah, it's the, very strange. The Disney behemoth. And um, loads of backlash for Will Smith's Blue Genie kind of stuff. Yeah, but if he hadn't been blue, they'd have had a backlash. He's in a no win there. Yes to be blue it's a fucking genius well also I don't think it looked too bad I think there's a lot of haters out there a lot of haters hate gonna hate yeah people should just get it's a grip it's the Russians anyway it's not real haters is it yeah they're they, bots are they they're bots trying to create discord in the amongst the people on Twitter like that's fucking tricky <laughs> <laughs> so as usual if you like subscribe us and and get involved even in if you're a Russian bot we don't care yeah, actually yeah. any interaction will be nice <laughs> um, yeah hit the subscribe button give us a five star rating leave a review wherever you are that'd be fantastic and uh, check us out on Twitter Instagram and Facebook yeah that'll do and love see you. you next week for a movie review love you bye bye love you, you no you hang up Right. 27. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't we do it? No, no, it's fine. I'm in there. I'm in the zone. I'm getting there. Oh. Getting the machine on. Right. Don't <laughs> 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 we do it? No, no, I'm going to <sighs> Just trying to get the muscle cheeks relaxed as a laugh. Right. Hello and welcome to. <laughs> right, I can do it. Put something out of it. Um, what's it? It'd be alright in the night. He <laughs> can't get his words out. <clears throat> Corpse in. Sorry. <laughs> you, you're gonna have to really. You're gonna have to put this on the end now. Uh, right. It's okay. Time to tell you to come for bed. It's time for bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think maybe we should keep what we've got then. No, 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 right, right. We'll give us one more chance. One more time. I can do it. <laughs> oh, Matthew. Matthew. Matthew, you silly sod. You silly sod. What?